News. It's one o'clock. I'm out as well the headlines. Shares of Cafe Pacific surge on a government-led bailout plan amid support from lawmakers. Three people are arrested for allegedly possessing a handgun and several hundred bullets. And former Home Affairs Minister Patrick Ho arrives in Hong Kong after serving his jail term in the United States for corruption. Cafe Pacific shares have hit their three-and-a-half-month high, surging more than 18% at the open, a day after the airline announced a major rescue plan to confront the coronavirus crisis. But they later pad the gains. Around midday, the shares were up just more than 1%. Some lawmakers welcomed the government move to inject billions of dollars into the airline. Executive Councillor and lawmaker Regina Ip said the airline is too big to fail. The New People's Party lawmaker said it was fine for the administration to finance the plan using the land fund instead of asking money from Lechco, like it did with Ocean Park. She said Cafe Pacific involved much more public interest than a theme park. The resolution authorised by the Provisional Legislative Council does permit the government to invest in assets other than land. So I think this is legally in order. And I don't think we should permanently pack away our $200 billion without making good use of it. She said the government didn't ask Cathay to stop future layoffs so as to give room for the airline to restructure. Her comments were echoed by tourism sector lawmaker Yu Si Wing, who said the government needed to act in order to protect Hong Kong's reputation as a global shipping hub. Meanwhile, an academic says it's necessary for the government to step in and bail out Cathay Pacific or it won't survive. Simon Lee, a senior lecturer at the Chinese University's business school, said aviation wasn't a high-profile a high-profit industry and investors may not be interested enough to raise the billions of dollars needed to help the carrier. But Civic Party legislator and former Cathay pilot Jeremy Tam says the airline's $39 billion bailout from the government and major shareholders is bigger than he expected. He told RTHK that given Cathay's monthly expenses of between $2.5 to $3 billion, the money should last the airline for, about, for more than a year. He said the government should have attached conditions to the money to prevent staff redundancies and pay cuts. If that's the taxpayer's money, goes into this company, of course, that should be some kind of condition. And one of the conditions, I believe, which is to promise not to do any redundancy, at least for a period of time. That is actually an important part, because otherwise, I don't know why the government wants to inject those you know, capital into a private company. Police have arrested three people from the same family for allegedly possessing a handgun and almost 400 bullets. Officers say they raided a unit in Yunlong yesterday and arrested the three, aged between 38 and 65, after finding the weapon and ammunition. Superintendent Raymond Cho of the Narcotics Bureau said the three, believed to be the parents and their son, purchased gun parts from overseas websites and assembled them in Hong Kong. The Transport and Housing Bureau says more than $66 million has been, sent, has been spent in the last year to, prevent, to repair public facilities damaged by protesters. In a written reply to a question raised by a lawmaker, the Bureau said between June last year and last month, 740 sets of traffic lights were vandalised, 60 kilometres of railings were dismantled and at least 177 surveillance cameras at government facilities or public venues were damaged. It also said around 22 2,000 square metres of road bricks were dug out. More than 1,300 rubbish bins and 130 recycling bins were also broken. 
Sources say former Secretary for Home Affairs Patrick Ho is back in Hong Kong after serving a three-year prison sentence in New York over a multi-million dollar bribery scheme. Under current entry requirements, Mr. Ho was tested for COVID-19 on arrival. The former minister was arrested in the U.S. in 2017 for bribing African leaders to win oil rights for one of China's biggest energy firms. RTHK's Board of Advisors has told the public broadcaster to produce programmes to give it the public a correct understanding of a new national security law being drawn up by Beijing. After a meeting with the head of the station, Board Chairman Eugene Chan told reporters the broadcaster has a duty to produce comprehensive programmes about the matter to put people's minds at ease, but he denied he was pressuring the broadcaster to promote the controversial legislation. I won't use the word promote, I will use the word embrace. We are public broadcaster. It's said clearly in our mission and purposes that our job is to produce programs to let the citizens understand one country, two systems and actual implementation. A fully comprehensive program should also include what the society has their views on. And I think it is the most appropriate platform that all those controversies or all those views can be fully explored, explained and put everyone's mind at ease. Executive Councillor Regina Abe says the government is in some degree responsible for Beijing imposing national security law here. The pro-establishment lawmaker said it was because Hong Kong hadn't enacted Article 23 after the handover in 1997. She said there'd be more room for two systems the sooner Hong Kong fulfilled this duty. Meanwhile, she agreed with the chief executive Carrie Lam that everyone had learned a lesson from the extradition protests, though she said she did her job to to support the government and sought public opinion at an early stage. Due to the government's failure to counter the publicity launched by the opposition, a lot of fear had been stirred up. You know, I never support withdrawing an important piece of legislation just because of mass mobilization. I think that would encourage more mass mobilization and undermine the government's capacity to govern. So the lesson to learn is maybe we should have advised the chief executive much earlier than June 9th to withdraw the bill. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has chided HSBC for backing moves by China to introduce national security law in Hong Kong, seeing such corporate kowtows got little in return from Beijing. He said Beijing's browbeating of HSBC should serve as a cautionary tale. He referred to the bank's Asia-Pacific CEO Peter Wong signing a petition supporting Beijing's plans to impose the new law on Hong Kong. He said that show of fealty seems to have earned HSBC little respect in Beijing which continues to use the bank's business in China as political leverage against London. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has hinted at a further relaxing of social distancing measures due to the stabilising coronavirus situation and an increase in the number of COVID-19 tests. In a Facebook post, she said the government would also gradually ease border control and quarantine measures based on risk assessments. The hospital authority will relax visitor restrictions at some public hospitals as the coronavirus situation improves. All visitors have been banned since the end of January. A chief manager with the authority, Dr Ian Cheung, told RTHK that relatives of thousands of chronic patients at 16 rehabilitation hospitals would be allowed to visit, but each patient can have one relative for one hour a week. The chairman of Hong Kong Patients Voices, Alex Lam, welcomed the relaxation.
after months prohibiting the visit arrangement, uh, I think a good start. Even though it is uh, only for an hour per week, I think it's a good start. But uh, because we, we still need to take care of the uh, pandemic situation, Hong Kong is doing well, but we don't know uh, what will happen next week. So uh, I think uh, the, gradually the, the hospital authority will make an arrangement uh, more flexible, uh, more time in a week, depending on the, um, the development of the pandemic. George Floyd, the African-American whose killing by police officer ignited worldwide protests against racism, has been buried in his native Houston. Thousands of mourners lined the streets as a horse-drawn carriage with a coffin made its way to the Memorial Gardens Cemetery. George Floyd will rest next to his mother, whom he cried out for in his final moments. Earlier at his funeral service, religious and political leaders called for a systemic change. Mr Floyd's family also paid tribute, including his niece, Brooke Williams. No more hate crimes, please. Someone said make America great again, but when has America ever been great? Those four officers were literally on him for nine minutes, and none of them showed they have a heart or soul. This is not just murder, but a hate crime. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, has poured scorn on President Trump's tweeting of a conspiracy theory about a protesters injured by police in the city of Buffalo last week. Mr. Trump questioned the incident, suggesting the elderly protesters was an anti-fascist provocateur who faked his fail, even though the video clearly showed him being pushed by police. Mr. Cuomo called Mr. Trump's action reckless, crude and reprehensible. What does that even mean? fell harder than he was pushed. What do you think it was? It was staged? Do you think the blood coming out of his head was staged? Is that what you're saying? You saw his head hit the pavement. You see blood on the pavement. Meanwhile, a New York police officer filmed pushing a young demonstrator to the ground during protests over the death of George Floyd has been charged with assault. In Britain, there have been further moves to take down statues honouring historic figures involved in slavery and colonialism. A local council in London's Docklands has removed a statue of the 18th century slave trader Robert Milligan. Adam Hag helped organise the campaign to remove the statue. This is our contribution from the East End to show solidarity to our brother George Floyd and the movement that's happening throughout the world with Black Lives Matter. East End has a history of standing up against injustice. Business and financial news, the cost of living on the mainland has risen at the slowest pace in more than a year. The consumer price index rose 2.4% in May from a year earlier, the weakest reading since March last year. It was also down from a 3.3% increase in April as food prices continued to ease. Analysts had expected a 2.7% increase. And a short while ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,090. That's 25 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $73 billion. And to the currencies, the US dollar is trading at 107.64 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 13 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 87 cents. Now to sports, here's Atom Chung. We start with football, where 4th Division side Saarbrücken had their record-breaking run in the German Cup ended with a 3-0 semifinal defeat to Bayer Leverkusen. 
playing for the first time since March because of the COVID-19 stoppage. Saarbrücken took the pitch without the presence of their home fans, who had been cheering them on as they knocked out four clubs from higher divisions to become Germany's first fourth-tier side to reach a cup semi-final. As for Leverkusen, they're through to their first German Cup final since 2009 and will face the winners of tonight's semi-final between Bayern Munich and Eintracht Frankfurt. Leverkusen are chasing their first trophy since 1993, the same year Saarbrücken last played in the top-flight Bundesliga. Lisbon has emerged as the favourite to host an eight-team Champions League knockout tournament in August if it's given the go-ahead by European football's governing body, UEFA. Istanbul had been due to host this year's final on the 30th of May. A decision will be made on the 17th of June. Boxing and the WBO featherweight champion Shakur Stevenson remains undefeated after a sixth-round victory over Felix Caraballo in Las Vegas. It was the first major boxing event held in North America since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's the BBC's Eddie Edadoyan explaining the strict safety protocols put in place last night. Bob Aram has described this as one of the most challenging events that he's ever had to put on. And you're talking about a man whose career in boxing promotion dates back to the Muhammad Ali era. And there'll be no fans or journalists in the arena tonight, which is a ballroom at the MGM Grand. And the commentators won't be there either. They'll have to broadcast from a remote booth. And there's going to be another show there this Thursday, and the plan is to host 10 events there between now and mid-July. Aram says that he's had to create what he calls a bubble, an area within the MGM to house the fighters, which is sealed off from the public. Uh, They'll have to adhere to very strict protocols. They can only leave their rooms for designated training and have to be regularly tested as well, which is quite costly. Tennis world number one Novak Djokovic is thinking of skipping the U.S. Open and focus on preparing for the rescheduled French Open. Speaking on Serbian television yesterday, Djokovic said most of the players he's talked to are not that keen on going to New York because of the extreme COVID-19 restrictions that would be in place. He said the season for him will continue on clay at the French Open in September. The U.S. Open is scheduled to start August 31st, though it remains uncertain whether it'll be played. And as you look at sports. So in the news, the top stories once again. Shares of Cafe Pacific surge on a government-led bailout plan amid support from lawmakers. Three people are arrested for allegedly possessing a handgun and several hundred bullets. And former Home Affairs Minister Patrick Ho arrives in Hong Kong after serving his jail term in the United States for corruption. And this news from RTHK. When I look at you in your eyes 
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, this Wednesday afternoon. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And we do have a busy program coming up uh, for your listening pleasure. And it's Wednesday, the 10th of June. And uh, we've especially brought forward the Agenda Cafe, as I'll be off uh, this Friday. So uh, Karen Co, my wonderful co-host, and I will be chatting uh, to our guest, Valentina Tudos. 
about long-distance relationships. That'll be in about 10 minutes or so at half past one. Valentina is also a dating and relationship coach and also the founder of matchmaking agency Happy Ever After. And we'll be chatting about uh, the implications of COVID-19 and also the impact of COVID on long-distance relationships, but also regardless of that, uh, uh, struggles and challenges and ways to maintain a long-distance uh, love. Uh, feel free to weigh in about that if you've had experience or you know somebody in a long-distance relationship. Feel free to drop us an email. Our email.